everyone, this is Ashley Latecki Ellen Boss with Skyhouse Herb School and Apothecary. And today I'll be talking about passion flower. And I'll be speaking about the analogy and the medicinal values associated with passion flower and how this plant can teach us a lot about the spiritual path um, and also how relaxing our nervous system can actually be a, a gateway to greater spiritual advancement. So, um, a lot to cover and I'm excited to share some of these insights with you. So let's talk a little bit about this plant passion flower. Uh, the Latin name is Passiflora incarnata and there are several species of passion flower and um, incarnata is the one that is used medicinally. It is the one that has the most research on it. So it's the one that I use in my practice. However, in my garden, I've grown the cerula species, so Passiflora cerula, which is also known as the blue variety of passion flower. And one thing that I learned from growing this plant was that it is tenacious in its desire to reach for the sun. And in my garden, I have these big trellises that were uh, right at the entrance of the garden space. And I planted a passion flower and they were pretty small the first year, you know, maybe like yay big. <laughs> And by the third year, they had completely grown over the trellis and they didn't really have a desire to reach for one another. They actually wanted to reach up. So what ended up happening was that um, I had some bee balm on one side. And so the passion flower actually started growing over on top of the bee balm and trying to reach up. And on the other side, there was nothing there. So it just kept, um, it would fall down, but then it would reach up again. And it would start, you know, if I didn't clip it back, it would start to move across the lawn <laughs> with its long arms and then start to, to rise up again. And, you know, what's so interesting about this and about, um, you know, the spiritual path, there's a few things. The first one is that, you know, we, there's this quest that we all have, right? This drive that we want to understand this world that we're living in. We want to understand the creator of this world that we're living in. And to do that, we have to be able to create a degree of separation from that object. Um, because, you know, if the sun and the passion flower were one, then it would have nothing to reach towards. You know, it would just be self-satisfied and it wouldn't really do what it was designed to do. And the same way, I believe that we're designed in that same light to, to reach towards something um, and to try to create a connection and make a connection with this source, with this source of light and knowledge and peace and love, right? And so the passion flower, you know, really is a great example of this and it will, you know, it will find a way, you know, it's very, very persistent in its search. The other thing that's so beautiful about passion flower is that it has on its, its branches or on its stems, these little tiny spirals. So this is actually some of the, the passion flower that I harvested from my garden um, last year. And I just wanted to show you, I'm gonna pull out some of these little spirals from, the, um, from my harvest, just so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. And so for those of you who are you know, into the esoteric you know, uh, ways and paths of life, you know that the spiral is such a powerful image for life and for this, this journey. So here is one, uh, one little spiral. This is um, just a little tendril from the passion flower. And this is actually how 
it hooks itself around um, different objects so that it can grow and it can reach. And there's also, you know, um, here's a nice little tight one that's really, really cute. See if I can get it in. See this little guy? So we have all these spiral images. And, you know, when we are, for me, at least on my spiritual path, um, you know, it's not a straight shot. It's not like one day you wake up and you're like, I figured it all out. And now I don't have to go back and deal with those unsavory habits that I once had. Um, you know, just the other day, um, I was in such a, a bad mood, <laughs> just couldn't get out of it. And I was like, I've made so much progress with my moods, you know, like, oh, why am I back here? Why am I kind of back stuck in this space? And, you know, I had to remind myself that that's part of how the journey works is that it's a spiral. So you kind of retouch, you touch those old spaces again, but they're from a different vantage point. So you're crossing those same habits and patterns, but you're, you know, every time you work through them, you go a little bit more elevated. So then you can look down and say, well, it's not as bad as it was then. You know, I can see that it's better, even though it still has part of that same feeling. Um, and then, you know, and then you move out of that space, you get some freedom, some clarity, but then somehow another life circumstance brings you back into that same zone. And, you know, thank goodness for that, because that is, you know, how else are we going to learn how to try on new ways of thinking and try on new practices uh, without having a challenge or something to push up against. And passion flower is such a beautiful plant for helping us with that because it has a number of different qualities that are really helpful, especially for people that tend to be um, depressive and anxious. And, uh, you know, you could be just one or the other, but the nice thing about passion flower is it's actually been shown in clinical trials um, to have an effect, a positive effect on both on both uh, anxiety and de depression. So this is a great book that I use a lot. It's called Herbs and Natural Supplements. This is uh, volume two, and this is by Leslie Braun and Mark Cohen. It's a thick book, so it's a beast of a book. Um, it's definitely an expensive investment, uh, but what I love about it is that it just has, it's full of data. It's full of clinical trials. It's full of chemical constituents. Um, and just sort of gives us a peek in some ways of, as to what these plants do and, and how they um, how they work. So there's been a number of research conducted with one of the key constituents in passion flower called harmine, and this is a beta carbolic alkaloid. And what it does is it it um, works kind of like an MAOI inhibitor, which is a natural, which is an antidepressant that's used in pharmacology. So it exhibits various pharmacological effects, both in vitro and in vivo, such as improvement of insulin sensitivity, a vasorelaxant effect, and also an antidepressant effect. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing here that it, um, what it does is it inhibits, uh, let's see here, it metabolizes catecholamine neurotransmitters. Um, and, and so it has this ability to, um, you know, open up transmitters to receive more serotonin and other compounds that are associated with an elevated mood. So passion flower lifts the mood just like it lifts itself up towards the light again and again and again and again. And then with anxiety, you know, like those little spirals I showed you how it wraps itself around something. And I find that this plant is really good for people that just 
kind of are obsessing, they're kind of wrapping themselves around the same thing again and again and again. Um, and it creates tension and it, and it creates anxiety. And uh, it's also really helpful for insomnia and sleep issues. So there's been several in vivo studies that have been demonstrated the anxiolytic, which is the reduction of anxiety in passion flower extract. And then there's a number of lists of these studies. And we think that it has a um, stimulation of the GABA release, or it has some inter um, interaction with our GABA receptors, which our GABA receptors are basically the ones that depress uh, nervous system activity. So basically is a relaxant. And there's a lot of herbs that work on GABA receptors like valerian and kava, um, catnip that have this activity and passion flower is one of these as well. So if we think about, um, you know, wanting to stimulate GABA receptors to help the body just sort of take the tension and, and activity of the mind down a few notches, uh, that's exactly what these herbs do. And passion flower specifically has this unwinding effect. So it takes a while, you know, a lot of people that take passion flower once might not notice anything, but it's when you take it over and over again, kind of imagining that spiral once again, that every time you revisit the plant, that it starts to work more and more deeply. You start to recognize because it's subtle. Sometimes we, we might not recognize in that first cup of tea or that first drop of tincture, what's happening. But every time we revisit it, we say, gosh, there is, I can, I do sense this subtle relaxation and this, this loosening up. And what's really nice about this herb is that it is non-addictive and it doesn't have any of that hangover effect, like a lot of other herbs that are often used for sleep and anxiety. So you can still operate machinery. You can still think clearly, you can meditate. There's, you know, you can do everything that you would normally do, uh, and you're not going to have that worry of having something that you, your body may become addicted to over time. So that's a great benefit of, of this herb. Um, so I, I really, I really love this plant. I wanted to show you a few pictures of it. So here's a picture from, this is a book called Flower Power by Anne McIntyre. This is one of my favorite books, um, just because of the beautiful pictures and it has stories. And um, you can see here, passion flower also has a fruit. So you can see this is an edible fruit um, and it has, this is the vine. And then these are the little tendrils. And then this is the beautiful flower that uh, the reason why it has the name passion flower is because when this plant was discovered, um, it was brought over, I believe it was from Central America. Is that right? It was sent to Pope Paul V in 1605 from a mission in Peru. And Pope Paul, said he made a suggestion that it looked sort of like the crown of thorns that Jesus wore um, in, the, um, in the Passion of Christ. And so it was then called Passion Flower um, because it kind of has that corona, that look of like a crown. So it's a really beautiful plant to grow. Um, and the other thing that's really interesting too about this plant um, is that when we think about um, not only our spiritual path as being a as being a spiral, um, but in bhakti yoga we we think about this idea of um, that the bhakti itself is like this creeper. It's like a vine, um, and it's winding itself around the, this this tree. And the tree is God, or in bhakti it's it's Krishna, and the vine is Radha the divine feminine who is wrapping herself around and really trying to give pleasure. 
to that masculine principle um, and doing so in a way that is completely of devotion. And it's not, you know, we can say masculine feminine principles, but really they're just sort of like two different parts of the same energy, just kind of like you have shade and you have sun, <laughs> you can't, you know, you, um, these two are, they're related um, in the same way the masculine and the feminine principle as a whole are separate but related. And so, um, you know, in the bhakti practice, we try to emulate the vine and um, this vine of devotion. And what's really a beautiful uh, image is that it starts off as this little bija, this little seed, and we have to water it. We have to water it regularly. And there's other little weeds that look just like it that start to come up too. And we have to be really careful not to water the wrong ones. And one of the one of the seeds that's um, that's an impersonator <laughs> is um, is sort of the um, thinking of yourself as being more spiritually advanced than you are, or having like pride in your own. Um, understanding of spiritual life and that that's really a hindrance and you know some a lot of people think that this you know they, they mistake they mistake their um their knowledge for the actual practice and they're they're actually very different and so um you know the the actual vine of bhakti is very humble and very giving and giving flowers giving fruit you know just always seeking to be of service Whereas the, um, you know, the, the other creeper is just, um, you know, there's an arrogance. It, it thinks it has all of this, but really what it's doing is it's pushing and then it's taking. And for any of you who are gardeners, um, you know, you know what it's like when a weed starts to take over. I had, uh, for me, it's not a weed, but it, it, it was a weed in this case because of how it was behaving. But I had uh, chickweed in one of my garden beds. And I was like, oh, good chickweed. I love this plant. I like to eat it and make smoothies. And, and so I just let it go. But what it ended up doing was it started coming over and taking over my chamomile. And I had to untangle all of this chickweed from my chamomile. And I was like, chamomile, hold on. And I'm so sorry. Um, because I had gotten distracted, right? Because I was, I, you know, I wanted to be growing medicines. Um, but I wasn't keeping in check this other plant, which has a right, you know, it, it has a right, but it needs to stay in its place, you know, um, at least in this particular example, like the chick we needed to stay over here to give space for the other. But, um, you know, I was, I was neglecting my duties as a gardener and I wasn't watching it carefully enough. And so, you know, in the same way, that's kind of what we have to be like, kind of really aware of when we're on a spiritual path is, you know, am I really walking my, my walk? Am I talking my, you know, my, my walking my talk really, you know, like, is, am I really doing the practices and, um, am I, am I always rem, rem, being reminded of how much I have to learn and how far I have to go. And that can just be such a helpful, uh, place where then, you know, you can say, okay, where am I, let me just, you know, take in some sacred literature. Let me connect with one of my teachers. Let me connect with my community of other fellow 
um, you know, people that are also on a spiritual path. And let me just make sure I'm surrounding myself with that good fertilizer so that I can differentiate what's a weed and what's not. Um, because really it's through those associations that we can become clearer about what, you know, in a, within ourselves, like what are the weeds? What are those qualities that maybe we've justified because, uh, you know, we think we're entitled to have them and which ones need to be pulled out, you know, like you got to be able to pull things out and discard them um, along the way. Otherwise, there's going to be no room and resources for the ones you really, really do want to see take root and grow and flower and blossom and make medicine for you. Another thing about passion flower that's so interesting and the way that it can really enhance our spiritual work is that it acts as a nervous system relaxant. And so for me, it's like as much what takes me away from the realization that I'm a spiritual being and not just a material being is being relaxed in my body and having my mind feel spacious and open. So we can use passion flower in that way. We can actually take this vine in to our body and watch it unravel our tensions and unravel our anxieties help us to really let go of a lot of our gripping or even our depression and our doomsday <laughs> tendencies. And what we'll start to notice is that as those things start to unwind their grip from our souls, we start to feel more free and we have more mental space and more inspiration to begin to explore the spiritual life and to be able to take in literature and spiritual teachings in a way that we might not have before. So let's talk a little bit about how to use passion flower. Um, it's a really nice tea. It's very mild. It doesn't have very much of a flavor at all. So you can take about two tablespoons. Maybe if you're very sensitive, one tablespoon would be enough. So one tablespoon of the dry herb um, and maybe two cups or a cup and a half of tea, however much water you want to use and let that steep for like 15 minutes, strain it and then drink that. And you can drink a little bit in the morning if you are, are more anxious or more depressive, you don't just have to drink it at night. Again, it's not going to be, it's not going to put you to sleep. Um, so you can, you know, you can drink it throughout the day um, if you need it, or if you just generally tend to have more issues falling asleep, then you might want to make it stronger. Maybe try two tablespoons and some water. Now, because it has pretty much no flavor, it's really nice to add in other herbs. I really like cinnamon and rose. Those two are, as a combination, work well with just about any herb and they give a really nice flavor. Um, another another uh, option would be um, lavender. I've got some dried lavender up here. So if you have access to a lavender plant or your own dried lavender, a little lavender and cinnamon work really nicely together as well. So you can experiment and just see you know, what flavors uh, of you know, what uh, aromatic relaxing herbs might you want to add, maybe catnip. I wouldn't, I would avoid things like peppermint or things that are really stimulating or more heating and warming in that way, just because, you know, that we're trying to actually, you know, relax that energy and not ramp it up. As a tincture, you can take it um, several times a day. And I recommend trying to find a fresh plant tincture. If you can, dry will work well, but fresh is ideal. And just take one to three droppers full. That's about like maybe half to three, or that would be um, half to one teaspoon, um, maybe twice a day in the morning and the evening, or if you have really bad anxiety, maybe three times a day. But again, give it, give it two weeks, you know, give it a week, check in, then give it another week, 
And you'll be surprised, you know, again, how, how it will help you unwind and how when you lay down to go to bed, uh, you won't be spinning around the same things. Your body will relax, your mind will unclench, and you'll be able to drift off into a more restful state of sleep. So that is what I have for you all this week. I hope that was helpful. And let me know if you have any experience using passion flower or growing it, or if you have any herbs that you like to use for sleep and anxiety. And uh, also if you have any questions that came up during today's talk. So thank you everyone and I'll see you again soon.